O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpachah. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Saturday, November 20th. Shabbat Shalom. Journey with me through the entire Bible in one year, focusing on the biblical calendar, the Sabbath, the feasts, and the Torah reading cycle. We have many voices, interpretations, and points of view out there, but there is nothing like listening to the crystal clean, pure Word of God in your life. It is living water for your spirit, as it is written in Romans 10.17. So then, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. When we listen to the spoken Word of God, it is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4.12 The Word of God is alive, it is powerful, and it renews our mind and builds up our spirit. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we finish up the Torah portion, Vayishlach, and it means, and he sent. Genesis 36, 20-43 These are the names of the tribes that descended from Seir the Horite. They lived in the land of Edom, Lotan, Shobal, Zibion, Anna, Dishon, Ezer, and Dishan. These were the Horite clan leaders, the descendants of Seir, who lived in the land of Edom. The descendants of Lotan were Horai and Hemem. Lotan's sister was named Timnah. The descendants of Shobal were Alvin, Manahath, Ebal, Shepho, and Anam. The descendants of Zibion were Ea and Anna. This is the Anna who discovered the hot springs in the wilderness while he was grazing his father's donkeys. The descendants of Anna were his son Dishon and his daughter Oholibama. The descendants of Dishon were Hemdon, Eshban, Ithran, and Keron. The descendants of Ezer were Bilhan, Zavan, and Achan. The descendants of Dishon were Uz and Aran. So these were the leaders of the Horite clans, Lotan, Shobal, Zibion, Anna, Dishon, Ezer, and Dishon. The Horite clans are named after their clan leaders who lived in the land of Seir. These are the kings who ruled in the land of Edom before any king ruled over the Israelites. Bela, son of Beor, who ruled in Edom from his city of Dinhaba. When Bela died, Jobab, son of Zerah from Bozrah, became king in his place. 
When Jobab died, Husham from the land of the Temanites became king in his place. When Husham died, Hadad, son of Bedad, became king in his place, and ruled from the city of Avath. He was the one who defeated the Midianites in the land of Moab. When Hadad died, Samla from the city of Masrika became king in his place. When Samla died, Shaul from the city of Rehoboth on the river became king in his place. When Shaul died, Baal-Hanan, son of Akbor, became king in his place. When Baal-Hanan, son of Akbor, died, Hadad became king in his place and ruled from the city of Pau. His wife was Mehetabel, the daughter of Matred and granddaughter of Me-Sahab. These are the names of the leaders of the clans descended from Esau who lived in the places named for them, Timnah, Alva, Jetheth, Oholibama, Elah, Penan, Kenaz, Teman, Mibzar, Magdiel, and Iram. These are the leaders of the clans of Edom listed according to their settlements in the land they occupied. They all descended from Esau, the ancestor of the Edomites. Ezekiel 40, 28-41-26 Then the man took me, Ezekiel, to the south gateway leading into the inner courtyard. He measured it, and it had the same measurements as the other gateways. Its guard alcoves, dividing walls, and entry room were the same size as those in the others. It also had windows along its walls and in the entry room. And like the others, the gateway passage was eighty-seven and a half feet long and forty-three and three-quarters feet wide. The entry rooms of the gateways leading into the inner courtyard were fourteen feet across and forty-three and three-quarter feet wide. The entry room to the south gateway faced into the outer courtyard. It had palm tree decorations on its columns, and there were eight steps leading to its entrance. Then he took me to the east gateway leading to the inner courtyard. He measured it, and it had the same measurements as the other gateways. Its guard alcoves, dividing walls, and entry room were the same as those of the others, and there were windows along the walls and in the entry room. The gateway passage measured 87.5 feet long and 43.75 feet wide. Its entry room faced into the outer courtyard. It had palm tree decorations on its columns, and there were eight steps leading to its entrance. Then he took me around to the north gateway leading to the inner courtyard. He measured it, and it had the same measurements as the other gateways. The guard alcoves, dividing walls, and entry room of this gateway had the same measurements as in the others, and the same window arrangements. The gateway passage measured 87.5 feet long, and forty-three and three-quarter feet wide. Its entry room faced into the outer courtyard, and it had palm tree decorations on the columns. There were eight steps leading to its entrance. A door led from the entry room of one of the inner gateways into a side room where the meat for sacrifices was washed. On each side of its entry room were two tables where the sacrificial animals were slaughtered, for the burnt offerings, sin offerings, and guilt offerings. Outside the entry room, on each side of the stairs going up to the north entrance, 
were two more tables. So there were eight tables in all, four inside and four outside, where the sacrifices were cut up and prepared. There were also four tables of finished stone for preparation of the burnt offerings, each 31 and a half inches square and 21 inches high. On these tables were placed the butchering knives and other implements for slaughtering the sacrificial animals. There were hooks, each three inches long, fastened all around the foyer walls. The sacrificial meat was laid on the tables. Inside the inner courtyard were two rooms, one beside the north gateway facing south, and the other beside the south gateway facing north. And the man said to me, The room beside the north inner gate is for the priests who supervise the temple maintenance. The room beside the south inner gate is for the priests in charge of the altar, the descendants of Zadok, for they alone, of all the Levites, may approach the Lord to minister to him. Then the man measured the inner courtyard, and it was a square, 175 feet wide and 175 feet across. The altar stood in the courtyard in front of the temple. Then he brought me to the entry room of the temple. He measured the walls on either side of the opening to the entry room, and they were eight and three-quarter feet thick. The entrance itself was twenty-four and a half feet wide, and the walls on each side of the entrance were an additional five and a quarter feet long. The entry room was thirty-five feet wide and twenty-one feet deep. There were ten steps leading up to it with a column on each side. After that, the man brought me into the sanctuary of the temple. He measured the walls on either side of its doorway, and they were ten and a half feet thick. The doorway was seventeen and a half feet wide, and the walls on each side of it were eight and three-quarter feet long. The sanctuary itself was seventy feet long and thirty-five feet wide. Then he went beyond the sanctuary into the inner room. He measured the walls on either side of its entrance, and they were three and a half feet thick. The entrance was ten and a half feet wide, and the walls on each side of the entrance were twelve and a quarter feet long. The inner room of the sanctuary was thirty-five feet long and thirty-five feet wide. This, he told me, is the most holy place. Then he measured the wall of the temple, and it was ten and a half feet thick. There was a row of rooms along the outside wall. Each room was seven feet wide. These side rooms were built in three levels, one above the other with thirty rooms on each level. The supports for these side rooms rested on exterior ledges on the temple wall. They did not extend into the wall. Each level was wider than the one below it, corresponding to the narrowing of the temple wall as it rose higher. A stairway led up from the bottom level through the middle level to the top level. I saw that the temple was built on a terrace which provided a foundation for the side rooms. This terrace was ten and a half feet high. The outer wall of the temple's side rooms was eight and three quarters feet thick. This left an open area between these side rooms and the row of rooms along the outer wall of the inner courtyard. This open area was thirty-five feet wide, and it went all the way around the temple. Two doors opened from the side rooms into the terrace yard, which was eight and three-quarters feet wide. One door faced north, and the other south.
A large building stood on the west facing the temple courtyard. It was 122.5 feet wide and 157.5 feet long, and its walls were 8.75 feet thick. Then the man measured the temple, and it was 170 feet long. The courtyard around the building, including its walls, was an additional 175 feet in length. The inner courtyard to the east of the temple was also 175 feet wide. The building to the west, including its two walls, was also 175 feet wide. The sanctuary, the inner room, and the entry room of the temple were all paneled with wood, as were the frames of the recessed windows. The inner walls of the temple were paneled with wood above and below the windows. The space above the door leading into the inner room and its walls inside and out were also paneled. All the walls were decorated with carvings of cherubim, each with two faces, and there was a carving of a palm tree between each of the cherubim. One face, that of a man, looked toward the palm tree on one side. The other face, that of a young lion, looked toward the palm tree on the other side. The figures were carved all along the inside of the temple, from the floor to the top of the walls, including the outer wall of the sanctuary. There were square columns at the entrance to the sanctuary, and the ones at the entrance of the Most Holy Place were similar. There was an altar made of wood, five and a quarter feet high and three and a half feet across. Its corners, base, and sides were all made of wood. This, the man told me, is the table that stands in the Lord's presence. Both the sanctuary and the Most Holy Place had double doorways, each with two swinging doors. The doors leading into the sanctuary were decorated with carved cherubim and palm trees, just as on the walls. And there was a wooden roof at the front of the entry room to the temple. On both sides of the entry room were recessed windows decorated with carved palm trees. The side rooms along the outside wall also had roofs. James 4, 1-17 What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have. But you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him, and he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. 
Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up in honor. Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone, who gave the law, is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? Look here, you who say, Today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and will stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise you are boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do, and then not do it. Psalm 118, 19-29 Open for me the gates where the righteous enter, and I will go in and thank the Lord. These gates lead to the presence of the Lord, and the godly enter there. I thank you for answering my prayer and giving me victory. The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is wonderful to see. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Please, Lord, please save us. Please, Lord, please give us success. Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, shining upon us. Take the sacrifice and bind it with cords on the altar. You are my Elohim, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Proverbs 28, 3-5 A poor person who oppresses the poor is like a pounding rain that destroys the crops. To reject the law is to praise the wicked. To obey the law is to fight them. Evil people don't understand justice, but those who follow the Lord understand completely. I want to speak to you today from Ezekiel chapter 40, then we're going to touch into James chapter 4 and conclude with today's proverb. So, the sages of Israel, the rabbis of old, would say this to us, to study the temple is to, in effect, help to rebuild it. They also teach that the second temple was destroyed because of baseless hatred. Because of baseless hatred, that spirit was present. The temple was destroyed. And at the time of the destruction of the second temple, there was friction and fractions and division and infighting between different groups of Jews. There was baseless hatred, and that opened the door and gave permission to the enemy, a permission slip, for the temple to be destroyed in 70 AD by Titus, the Roman general from Rome. 
And so in first catching the vision for a third temple, we see here in the book of Ezekiel that he is painting a picture for us. He's describing in great detail a third temple that will come. So this is prophesied in the scriptures that there will be a third temple. Now, when that will happen, how that will happen, who will build it, those are details that remain to be seen. I'd like to read one little commentary from the Israel Bible, and it's from chapter 40 of Ezekiel, verse 2. Verse 2 reads, He brought me in visions of the Lord to the land of Israel, and he set me down on a very high mountain, on which there seemed to be the outline of a city on the south. The Israel Bible commentary to that verse reads as follows. The final section of Ezekiel's prophecy describes the building of the third Beit Hamikdash, or third temple, its operation, and the redivision of the land of Israel among the people. These chapters contain the prophet's hopes for his people and represent the closing of a circle that began in chapter 1. Decades earlier, Ezekiel envisioned the divine presence leaving Eretz Israel and the temple prior to its destruction. Now, perched on the high mountain, the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, Ezekiel can foresee the return of the people of Israel to the land of Israel and God's presence returning to his city. According to the sages, this vision comes to Ezekiel at the beginning of the Jubilee. The Radak emphasizes how appropriate the timing of this vision is, since during the Jubilee, all people are freed and are returned to their ancestral homes. So, I encourage you to study the temple. Let the vision of a third temple come into your spirit and into your heart. Because Yeshua, when he returns, he will rule and reign from Jerusalem, and there will be a third temple. Let's jump into James now. And in James, again, this is a very practical book, and it's a book that when you read it, it brings conviction of sin. Because again, James is like the mirror. You look in the mirror and you see your own reflection, and you see sin. And God deals with us through His Holy Spirit. He brings conviction of sin. And so let's start in verse 4. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the Scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him, and he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. In the times that we are living in, there's no room anymore for lukewarmness, or for one foot in the word, and one foot in the world, or for being double-minded, or for being half-hearted. There's no room for mixture. We're either all in or we're in the world and caught up in all of the stuff of the world. 
So he exhorts us and continues to say in verse 7, So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. So may we take those words and may we apply them. May we walk them out. If there's anything in the world that we are entangled in, may we get disentangled. And may our one and only and true loyalty be to Yeshua HaMashiach, our Messiah, our Redeemer, our soon-coming King. May we be obedient to Him and not let the tractor beam of the world pull us astray and pull us off course. Have a blessed day, and please enjoy this worship song. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord.
Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. <laughs> 